classic gold ketchup. Ah, it's mustard. ketchup that sings. It's ketchup on the gold baby. Mayo. Whoa, yummy. Hit in the Heinz notes. Hit in the Heinz notes. Is this Whataburger spicy ketchup? No, it's not. I wish. Is this Filipino banana ketchup? Is this hunt? Get that shit out of here. This is Heinz. Whoa. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture condiment podcast. Yeah. This week, Hellman's. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's our problem. That's why we haven't blown up yet, is because we aren't reviewing condiments. Yeah. That's the next big step. Yeah. Is anyone doing it? No. Today, we're 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 talking black pepper. We're starting uh, perishables, actually. (laughs) Oh, like what? Like uh, condensed milk? Like powdered milk? Yeah, but like mayonnaise once you've already opened it. (laughs) Yes. It has to be in the refrigerator. We're we're rating everything in my fridge. on the pod how long has this hot sauce been here yeah it's four a, years see the thing it's is a niche. the thing is that we just took our fridge on one day and now we're reviewing every item one at a time yeah. once a month <laughs> so the things are just rotting as this series goes on and we have to eat it yeah we have to review we're how eat it tastes sludge <laughs> well you, you guys aren't like those people that put like ketchup in your pantry after you've opened it right no, no. i'm not a fucking Gross. savage you seen that before it's disgusting <laughs> oh it that? like separates here's oh a here's God. a little factoid layers. uh olive oil actually should go in the fridge after it's open yeah i learned that from it's a, juice. a chef it's it's a it's perishable juiced olives it, it will never be totally spoiled and make you sick but it will taste a little bit different also mm. another thing thanks chef alex that from queer eye is stop oh. putting tomatoes in your fridge Tomatoes should be held in room temperature. Did you learn to call them tomatoes on yeah. Queer Eye? Yeah, that's yeah. bothering me. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Tan. No. What? No. Well, <laughs> no. or, or <laughs> not Tan. Is, isn't he the one who says who pronounces it that way? No. Oh, I don't know about no, pronunciation, but he's the clothes man. Oh, if yeah. he's talking about tomatoes, he's but out Anthony of Anthony wouldn't say tomatoes. No, no, Anthony definitely calls them tomatoes, and Tan is oh like, my it's God. tomatoes. Anyway. Well, right. Welcome to the show, everyone. We bought a mic here, talking music, ketchup. Only and music this week. We have summer a lot. movie wager. Uh, I'm oh, Ernest yeah. Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And go ahead. <laughs> Who are you? We I have am. a very special guest. <laughs> I know it's like I never left, but uh, I've returned. Well, yes. Listeners have already listened to your triumphant return when we talked Avengers Endgame. And now you're back. For another round. Oh, for, yeah. For your ketchup. You actually were the originator of the ketchup corner. It used mm-hmm. to be just your ketchup. We didn't know anything <laughs> about ketchup. But that, it's yeah. Brett Nemiroff. That's actually back. That's actually named after a condiment. Yeah. Did you did you guys catch that? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty interesting. What, that ketchup is a condiment? Yeah, it's actually two meanings. Anyway, I'm Drew Dietzen. And so let's get into the summer movie wager first. This is our third year that we've done this, correct? Yep. Um, where yes. it's it's a part of a different film podcast that you don't need to listen to. Don't worry. Uh, the Slash Filmcast. But there's a website you can go to, thesummermoviewager.com. You are... Don't laugh at my mispronunciation. <laughs> the Summy? The Summy Movie Waiver. <laughs> and you essentially are, are predicting which 10 movies are going to be the top in the domestic box office for the entire summer starting uh, last weekend. So it is technically too late to appear on the main leaderboards but you can still be on your friends yeah you can still play because it's not cheating to put avengers first just because it did well this weekend oh yeah i don't know if it's gonna be number one guys <laughs> i don't even know if it's gonna make the top 10 yeah aladdin could 
squeak by. <laughs> well, everyone knows Disney just buys out fake tickets. Yeah. Nobody. Well, we all know going to the movies that I went there. It was empty. It was an empty theater. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, we discussed that the theater. Some theaters double book tickets, so some people would be sacrificed and er- wouldn't be able to sit oh, down. Oh yes. yes. Yeah. Ernie's Ernie's girlfriend Lee got got. Uh, she got dusted. She, got <laughs> she had to be a martyr she, for Ernest. Uh, <laughs> she was just telling me about it. It's it's brutal out there. But anyway, yeah, so the, the point system is weighted. If you get it perfectly correct, you get 10 points, I think. Uh, and if you're close... Except for the first and uh, last yeah, spot. Yeah, if you get first and last, you get 13 points. And then if you're close, you get like varying levels of lower points. Yeah. So like, I think it's 7 if you're off by 1, 5 if you're off by 2, 3 if you're off yeah. by that. If there's any movie that is on the list anywhere, then you get, I believe it's 3 points. I could be wrong about that. Anywhere um, on the list is three. Yeah. Anywhere on the list, uh, just wrong in the order, you get three points. And then you get three Dark Horse picks, uh, yeah. which are movies that one didn't point. make your, ten, your top ten. But uh, you named three other movies. If one of those makes your list, then you get one point. Yeah, those. but anyway... Uh, a breakdown of the scoring is all on the website, so you don't just have to like go back and viciously take notes <laughs> on yeah. what you just said. Um, but again, if you want to do it, thesummermovywager.com and... If you message any of us about your username, we can add you to our little group we have. Yes. But anyway, let's get into what we have with our picks. How do we want to do this? So we have, we have uh, in addition to us, we also have Colin, uh, Ray, Adam, and Harry, who have Few all appeared other guests, yeah. on the show before. Um, so I don't want to take up too much time with this. I kind of want to get through. Let's just talk about movies that are possible. interesting to us. Um, but so Hunter and I actually have... Almost exactly the we same never, list. We did not talk to each other beforehand. It was like, oh, yeah, what's your username? Let me add you on here. Yeah. And we have the same top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Drew, there's a lot of similarities with yeah, yours, Yeah, I'm too. close with you guys. A big difference off the bat. We all have Avengers and then the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put Spider-Man over Toy Story 4. That one was a toss-up for me. Yeah, yeah. you have that, that third. That's, 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 that's almost that's, a hot take, I think. I think so, it is, yeah. Yeah, it is compared to most other lists. Um I it it is a a tricky one because you could be dealing with uh, Marvel burnout from because everyone is seeing Avengers, but you could also be dealing with a satisfied audience that wants more yeah. and and is hot off of really really liking Spider Man. Well, how how did Ant Man and the Wasp do? Because I think it did there's okay. a parallel. It did okay, there. but Ho- Spider Man Homecoming did a lot better than either Ant Man. Like Spider Man's a better property. Oh, yeah, I mean Spider and I mean we talked about it on the pod beforehand, but I mean. Spoiler alert, Spider-Man isn't dead because there's a fucking movie coming out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really much of a um, spoiler, but like whenever you see him show up on the screen, like that gets the biggest ovation. Like, yeah, people, people are nuts love about Tom Holland, Spider-Man. they love Spider-Man. But again, I wasn't super confident about it. Toy Story uh, 3 made over $400 million at the box office. But like you said earlier, Hunter, Toy Story 4 might not do as well i don't think it's going to be as well regarded critically or by audiences one because just the pickings are so much bigger this year that there is so many big budget movies that are coming out yeah big budget children's movies and nostalgia movies nostalgia movies and toy story 3 felt like such a perfect send-off some people might be a little bit sour to the idea if it gets good positive buzz like first round there's a chance that it could hop all the way up to number two that's the thing we're all gonna see it yeah. So, <laughs> I think it's going to do very well. Like it's it's top five no matter what. Um, uh, Colin and Ray both have it at number two. Yeah, I, I'm not. 
like like I said, there there are like three tiers in my top ten, and I'm not confident about tiers two or three. Tier one is just Avengers. Yeah, that's number one across the board. But after that, it gets a little dicey. We have uh, the Secret Life of Pets two, which we all have at number you, five. You, yeah, you might you might be thinking what that movie the the first one made three hundred and sixty something million dollars at the box office. Insane. Kids are nutty about it. The promotions for this movie are all over the place. Um, I would guess it's going to do better than the first one because usually children's properties do better in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we could be dealing with 400 mil here. The only thing going against it is the amount of other right. uh, options the competition, we have for yeah. kids. Yeah. It's, this, this summer is just like gargantuan movie after gargantuan yeah. movie. It's that was like another problem I had. Huge, is there's, huge. People aren't going to turn up for all of these. Exactly. Some, some of them are going to be the odd man out. Definitely. Like some. That's the thing going into this is like, some of these movies, we could have another solo a Star Wars story in our hands where, like, <laughs> we think that it's going to make a shit ton of mo- mo- money, and it just doesn't because of the competition. Yeah, there's too much competition. I mean, that's why, just, like, looking at my list, uh, going down what Ernest and I have uh, similar for 6, 7, and 8 is Hobbs and Shaw. Detective Fast and Furious Pikachu. Presents. Fast and Furious <laughs> Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Just so people are clear yeah. on what kind of a movie this is. This is a Fast yeah, and Furious Yeah, because the name movie. Hobbs and Shaw was uh, too vague. I was just telling you guys, I think that the main fan base of these movies might just call these characters like Vin Diesel yeah. <laughs> and The Rock. So they're like, who's Hobbs and Shaw? You actually have it a little lower. You have it at number 8. I do, and it wasn't because I'm not confident it's going to make money. Because it will. Every single Fast and Furious movie has increasing returns and it's the last one made about 220 something million yep. so we're still dealing with probably 250 uh if i'm guessing uh a big question mark for me was aladdin what aladdin do you, and detective pikachu for me yeah um, what, what think do you think about aladdin though brett the the more that i see the trailers as they come out i have a little bit more faith in it i don't know about you guys but at first it was like a total joke in yeah my head. But Massive I, joke. I kind of agree though i saw the trailer doing research and i was like this doesn't look like a train wreck yeah, it I looks know. like Hitch. It's <laughs> like think... Will Smith is just doing Hitch and again. And guess what? Everybody likes Hitch. It's I, an American Hitch is classic. a great movie. They're, they're going to put a lot of effort into the soundtrack, and I think that's going to be a massive... Kind of remaking the songs. Yeah. That, that's a really good point. And it, it did look like visually good. Um, it didn't look like it was going to be a mess like Dumbo. Yeah, and, I just I don't know because I feel like it's it's almost a problem working against it that Aladdin is coming out the same summer as The Lion King. Yeah, because it's two remakes of classic Disney movies and Lion King within is more like two of months. And classic. Yeah, I mean people know The Lion King more than they know Aladdin. Um, that was an issue. It was just kind of a wild card. I could see it being anywhere from from five to ten. I don't know anyone who's very excited for it. That's what I'll say. I know a lot of people who are extremely excited for The Lion King. That's the one that could just drop off the top ten entirely. Yeah. I just don't know because I always... But we all have it. I kept thinking, like, I could really see Aladdin bombing. Should I put this on here? The thing is... A flop for Disney is still a hundred, hundred fifty million dollars. Like yeah. that's what a flop is. But that for them. doesn't guarantee it on the top ten. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily this year. But I exactly. mean, I still think that it'll be good. Um, uh, Detective Pikachu. I'm kind of I wanted to talk about this on because I know it's going to be a huge thing internationally. Um, yeah. and I kept kind of wondering where exactly it's going to sit with. I, I think we all might lose a little ground here to Adam. Adam has it at number four. I think it could easily. Harry has it at three. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I think it could easily jump up there because obviously our whole generation is very big on Pokemon. Personally, I, I was never a big Pokemon guy, but uh, Pokemon Go a couple years ago reinvigorated interest. And here's the big thing. Uh, my girlfriend Allison is a teacher for 
third graders, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, she said that they all, all her boys play with Pokemon cards still. And that they are all quoting the trailer as if it's a classic movie. They, they are insanely hyped for this. So if they have little kids on top of the adult audience, it could jump into the top three. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, that said, I ended up sliding it in around like number six. Just because we have this weird tier where the, any of them could be three to six. Yeah, and we, that, have it, we have it at seven. Yeah, so and, it's tricky. And then Aladdin. And then the last two spots are when, like, all hell starts to break loose. Yeah. And everyone has Drew something Drew and I different. have the same last top two, nine and ten, uh, Godzilla and Rocket Man. Rocket Man, I have no idea what's going to happen with that movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, Godzilla, Elton John Godzilla I'm... Like, I'm pretty confident that that movie is going to make a lot of money just because people love a big summer movie where giant monsters punch each other. Look at every Transformers movie. Those are always successful, and they're terrible movies. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Ro- but Rocket they're... Man, I don't know. Did, are people going to turn out for that like they did Bohemian Rhapsody? I don't think so. No, definitely but, not. So... For, for Godzilla, they're they're setting up Godzilla as kind of like this character I, I don't know if you've seen the trailers yeah, yeah. but i i agree with you i think it's going to do pretty well it's I, yeah i was saying earlier it's it's almost like there's a silent majority that we don't really talk to but I, a lot of people on the internet are very hype about it i don't know any one of, of these people except like i saw a, avengers with a big group of like former co-workers and afterward one of them was on facebook saying now that avengers is over Let's get ready for Godzilla. Get ready for the king of monsters. And I was like, man, I've never so, been excited for those. I don't have either of those two. My bottom two are Yesterday and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's that. I think you're maybe wishfully thinking. So Yesterday is the Danny Boyle Beatles movie where dude gets bonked in the head <laughs> and ends up in a world without the Beatles. Except and he, gets he remembers them. Also, yeah. Ed Sheeran is in it. Maybe we're underestimating the power of Ed Sheeran that, doing I'm a pretty, cameo. I'm pretty sure that's like a writing prompt somewhere on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on r slash writing prompt. Yeah. But I can see, see it. The, the reason why I picked this over Rocket Man is because I think that people will want to see... They'll just gravitate towards the Beatles. Yeah, people want to sing Beatles songs over Elton John songs. Exactly. That's exactly. fair. That's why I have Yesterday as one of my dark horses because I think that there is a chance that Yesterday could be more successful than Rocket Man. I just I'm I'm really wondering what's happening with this world here. To be honest, Yesterday interests me a lot more than Rocket Man yeah. or Bohemian Rhapsody did because they're not just biopics. It's more of like an actual story yeah. is there. I'm I'm interested. I think it might be my downfall just because I, <laughs> I didn't put Godzilla in my top ten. But I do think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be my saving grace See, because okay, that's fair. It's Tarantino, and you know, Hateful Eight didn't make much money, but here we're talking a true crime. Tr- I mean, true-ish crime. Uh, period piece with Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, and cast, Margot Robbie. So the yeah, the cast is huge. I did look up Tarantino's previous numbers. The closest comp we could have is really Inglorious Bastards because it's another Tarantino Pitt movie, which has you know name value and director value. That made it one twenty, which puts it right on the line. Mm-hmm. And um, that had shock value too. Yeah, it yeah. did. It had the killing Nazis thing. Uh, I don't. I just don't know because. I don't have much faith that Tarantino can 
is going to make another commercially viable movie after Hateful Eight. Well, that movie did not do well. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say is Tarantino is pretty all over the place whenever it comes to just looking at his box office numbers, just like objectively. They're kind of just all over the place depending on the star value, depending on what the subject yeah. matter is. I, I hope it does well because I hope it's really I good. I mean, I'm really excited for it, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough. It's so hard, especially during the summer, for an R-rated movie to make a lot of yeah. money. Because it's all about kids are out of school. What can kids go see with That's their That's why families? I don't have John Wick on my list. Yeah, John Wick didn't make my list. Just because it's, it's really, really hard for R-rated movies to actually um, crack that top ten. Yeah, as, as far as Rocketman goes, I have it at number ten. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was in the lower 200 millions. It was around 228, something like that, which definitely puts it on the top ten list. I don't know if this will do as well. I don't know if Freddie Mercury, if Elton is as beloved as Freddie Mercury. He is beloved though, and I think the, the thing is, is Rocketman has so much more competition than yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody came out in October when there was nothing else yeah, out. Yeah, when I was making estimates, I put this at around like 160 million, which is significantly lower, but it still puts it on this bubble. Uh, what are we thinking? About Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Okay, I was so, going to say that. Dude. So, <laughs> my old thing, because I thought about putting this as a dark horse. Um, I did. I, I sided against it because after seeing the trailers, who is this movie for? Is it for little kids? Is it for teenagers? Is it for adults? Is it for no one? I'm kind of leaning that it's going to try and be. It's a little kids thing, but they're trying to make it almost more edgy. And I feel like that's going to turn off everyone. And I could see this movie being a huge, huge flop. I like, th- less yeah. than 50 If it's million. in the theaters at the same time as any of the other movies we talked about, <laughs> the the target audience, whatever that audience is, is going to be overshadowed by those other movies, just right. like you're saying. Well, it comes out the same weekend as Hobbs and Shaw, uh, which... Hobbs and Shaw is going to be like the adult movie. Maybe Dora could market itself towards the families and it could get a big push from that. I ended up going with, uh, for my other spot, I had Yesterday and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for two of my Dark Horses. My other one was Men in Black International. Um, The Men in Black movies haven't been overly successful, but if you look at the cast for uh, International, it does have a really good cast. They still make like about 120 to 150 million dollars in that range, so it could maybe scratch the surface. I don't have a ton of faith that it will, but it was really like looking at that versus the other competition. I think that that has the best chance to get a boost. Yeah, we're living in like a Tessa Thompson essence, <laughs> and well, Hemsworth and Hemsworth. It's Thor, Thor. it's Thor and Valkyrie. We're yeah. back in Asgard. Yeah. I'm fucking yeah. seeing that movie. Yeah, I um, I'm like I'm, we'll probably see it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the reason I didn't include it is because every Men in Black movie has had diminishing returns thus far, and that's with the original cast. Uh, so if we're completely replacing them, I'm not super confident people are going to show out uh, because the name value has had diminishing returns already. Uh, so if the face value is also gone and again, people do like Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, but are they going to buy the ticket for it? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I don't think so. As far as Dora goes, the only reason it did make my dark horse list is because it comes out in a in a free space of, of time there. It's rare this summer to have like a few weeks where nothing is really happening, and it's in the ideal position for a movie that is probably not going to be great. Uh, And I did look it up. The final episode of Dora aired in 2014, so we are dealing with a strange bubble of of age of who's going to want to watch it. But, I mean, a lot of – it's going to have the nostalgia factor for people. It's still on, like – 
like yeah. little kids still watch. Yeah, Dora. there are reruns, and I think yeah, little kids like Dora, and also maybe it's a little bit below our age range, but there is a generation of kids a little younger than us that. I think some of them are going to want to show out just because Dora meant a lot to them. And also, I feel like it's going to be very successful in the Orlando area in Florida because there is a big Hispanic culture here. And that's like one thing like the like Latino American experience is something that Dora tapped into for kids like that little like uh, Hispanic children could like watch and be like, oh, they're speaking Spanish like me or other white kids could watch and be like, oh, I'm learning some Spanish phrases because of this. <laughs> that's, that's so this so, is the spy I kids that, of this generation. That's so, yes. that's so tertiary and misguided. Like, I, I'm not saying your opinion is misguided, but if that's what they're going for, I don't think they're going to well, accomplish I think, anything. I think that that is kind of the market that they are going for. Because I was spending a lot of time thinking about who this movie is actually for because – the trailer one, it's just a bad trailer. It looks like it's trying to be Tomb Raider. <laughs> when, yeah. they, when, but <laughs> when they show when they show boots, I want to kill myself. Yeah. Okay, do you, do you guys know who's playing Swiper the Fox? Yes, it's Benicio del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a joke. He's, like, he's gonna do some crazy shit. because yeah. he already in basic roles he does stupid shit. He's yeah. gonna do some insane stuff. It's like casting Nick Cage as uh, Boots. I'm going to fucking shoot you, Dora. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I wanted to mention before we move on is um, Dark Phoenix, the last X-Men movie under uh, the Fox banner. So much maligned. It has a long history. What about New Mutants? Is that technically? That movie is not coming out anytime so soon. So it'll, it'll get dumped on some streaming service yeah. at some point. <laughs> Dark Phoenix has been dealing with a lot of issues over the years, and it's been highly publicized. They've had recastings. They've had uh, like production crew changes. It's been delayed and delayed. Uh, it's expected to flop. The budget has surpassed $170 million for this movie. Yeah. I don't think it's going to make it Well, I mean, back. look no at way. Apocalypse. Apocalypse also had a huge budget, and that notably did, like, it bombed hard apocalypse did which is just like this franchise that's why i really want this to come under the disney umbrella um what i know that we're reaching a singularity and that everything that we do is just going to be made by one company eventually but like if nothing else like disney has put out consistent even if it's not always great they put out consistent products where there's been nothing consistent about x-men movies and the trailer for this looks it looks cheap it looks, it looks really like cheap. Yeah, that's the whole thing about this having such a huge budget is like whenever you see like their like neon veins growing out of Sansa's face and I'm like, what am I looking at here? Well, like, this looks like shit. The thing is, though, I think this could bite us in the ass because uh, most X-Men superhero. Movie. Well, yeah, most X-Men movies have floated around the 200 mark. And even if this falls short of that and it's a flop, it could make 150. And I wouldn't be shocked just because. Uh, production problems and recastings and all that doesn't come on the radar of most uh, casual movie watchers. Right. And they might just see it because it's an X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. And Another, they've seen all but the it's, other ones. It's not, one thing about that is it's not called X-Men. Yeah, that's so the So even the most problem. basic person They should have called it see... X-Men Presents. Like, <laughs> Hobbs and <laughs> Shaw present the Dark Phoenix. It's legitimately going to be Sansa that's going to be pulling a lot of people to see this movie. Yes. Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure, I will yeah. say one other thing that's working for this is the Jean Grey storyline is like one of the most renowned X Men oh, story it's arcs. Fucking amazing! Any, yeah, exactly. Like everybody loves that whole story arc. Those are some of the best comics, like comic arcs. Is John Wick three? I just I don't think I just don't. There's really no see room it. for it. I mean, maybe here's the reason I included it though is 
John Wick 1 made $43 million, which is modest, but it was a success because it wasn't a huge budget movie, and it developed a massive cult following. The next movie more than doubled its box office. Um, That's a leap that you never see. So you're looking at an exponential thing. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to double again, but even if it leaps up to 150, it's in the conversation. Um, and people like it made a mainstream leap with John Wick too. People like John Wick. Now. It's actually on on Harry's top ten. Wondering it because I almost considered putting it as a dark horse, but it comes during a gauntlet at the end of May. That or That's a like rough time. right in the middle of May. May tenth we have Detective Pikachu. May seventeenth is John Wick three. Also a dog's journey. Don't forget that, guys. That might make the list. That'll be number um, one. And then twenty no, four. <laughs> on the twenty fourth we have Aladdin and. Booksmart, which I'm holding out hope for Booksmart. It's not going to be a big success. It's not going to make money, but, <laughs> but it's going to be it's going to be good. But I mean, coming out in between Detective Pikachu and Aladdin, I just I don't really see where there's room for it. I think it's going to maybe it'll have a big for opening weekend, but I think it's going to have a huge drop off. Hey man, don't us underestimate Manzukis. Yeah, the power of Manzukis. <laughs> hey Nong man. Everybody watched Comedy Bang Bang <laughs> just because of him. Yeah. All right, absolutely. we got to we got to move on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Any last thoughts on this? Uh like I said, it's a tricky year. There's there's several bubbles in the list where I wouldn't be shocked if there's a huge shuffling of the titles. Maybe there'll be a, a movie that comes out that no one even knows about that just takes it all. Ad Aster will take the role this <laughs> yeah. weird little Mama Mia 3, film. Tokyo Drift. What about that movie where Dennis Quaid is a racist old man? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, this is what a big thinking? summer for Dennis Quaid, for him <laughs> making shit movies. A heel turn for there's Dennis this, Quaid. There's a America's dog's dad. journey. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's let's move on right. to music catch up. Um, we have we a have, lot of music. We have a lot of music that we've missed yeah. out the last uh, month ish on the pod that we've been deep in TV and and all this stuff. So we're just gonna shove it all together. Yeah, let's try to get through as many of these as we can before we wrap it up. Uh, Brett, let's start with you. Was there anything that you wanted to bring up? That you've stuff been that I'm to? listening to. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have to start off with Lizzo just because. I think her new record is probably the best record of the year, in my opinion. Whoa, that's it's, awesome. That's good. I'm it is so it is so unbelievably good on like every level. It plays into a possible. Every single track is at least very good, and then some of them are amazing. They're complete bops. Uh, I really want to hear what you guys think I'm, about those. I'm really I'm here for your take. Uh, I'm not going to call it my favorite of the year, but I. I introduced Lizzo to my girlfriend a while back, and then she got deep into Lizzo, and that made me get deeper into her, and I'm a big fan. Uh, I actually heard her on a podcast originally, and she's very funny, very candid, obviously. You can tell from her music. Uh, she, you, you would call it, like, soul pop, I guess, uh, with, like, you know, there's tinges of R&B and hip-hop in there. Uh, but you're right. These are songs that are easy listening, just really, really fun songs. Yeah, well, I it's mean... It's called Cause I Love You. Cause I Love You. I was yeah. going to say... Um, I've only listened to this album, I think, twice. Uh, and the first time I was listening to it, I was just like, all right, I know you guys have talked about it. We're going to talk about it on the pod. I'll just put this on like passively, and it like really reeled me in a mm-hmm. lot more than I was expecting. This is the first album by Lizzo that I've ever actually listened to. Um, her, uh, her like pizzazz that she brings almost reminds me of like Shaka Khan. Yeah, uh, where yeah. she just like commands the song yeah. with her voice. Well, I mean, she has an so incredible voice. This, yeah, the the uh, title track on here, which is what opens up the album, "Cause I Love You." She's just out there like belting it, mm-hmm. really giving it her all. The only real criticism I have, which is something that would definitely go away with multiple listens, is that I did find that there was a couple songs that kind of faded together for me. Um, 
I mean, there were definitely some huge standouts because I love you, um, Crybaby, Juice, Heaven Help Me, Tempo with Missy Tempo. Elliott. Tempo is unbelievable. Tempo yeah. is great. Yeah. Missy exactly Elliott is how perfect. I feel with uh, Gucci Mane. She I actually really like that song too. Yeah, she actually reminds me a little bit of Missy Elliott. Yeah, definitely. She has that same sort of um, swagger, but she has more. She has a better voice. Well, than that's Missy. the thing. She can actually sing. Well, Ma- Missy can too. Missy made the transition to just rapping. Maybe something happened to her voice where she can't do the gospel thing anymore. If you listen to her old stuff, she is doing that. And so Lizzo is just combining both sides of Missy Elliott, and I love that. Uh, and also, you got to mention the like the main themes of this album are extremely positive, body positivity. Uh, Lizzo, yeah, the look at the album cover. Yeah, I mean Lizzo's a, a big girl, um, and it's all about that. It's all about like feeling herself, how she, and that's just even if you're not that type of person, you can still relate to the theme of like loving yourself. This this album is not made for us. We're yeah. we're cis white guys like there's there's something to say that i it's so positive it's that that positivity is what keeps me coming back yeah it's, yeah, keep listening. it's a great vibe it's infectious that's a good word for it i think like I, it just you're like damn this is this is gonna keep me around i also like the track uh jerome it's like almost like a ballad it's in six eight and it's she just like belts out this sort of longing tune about this love that's kind of gotten out of her reach and someone that's it feels like has let her down so the the album just has these like really energetic bops like it just fucking doinks and thunks yeah and then it takes this i mean there might be a couple in here that i'm missing but at least this one moment to just kind of slow things down and and give it a little bit more of a slower tempo to get in those feels yeah i think what what really gets me uh, you mentioned it is the opening track because i love you it the production on it is really, really unique and fun, and it just really gets me going. I always listen to this one in order. It's one of those records. Yeah, you can listen to it all the way through, and it's a really breezy listen. It's, some of it gives me a little bit vibes of uh, Thank You, Next, the album. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of it's just a fun pop record that you can just put on, and it's not going to bother you. Uh, if I wanted to critique it, uh, the reviewer in Pitchfork actually made a really good point uh, Sometimes, not always, but there are some instances where it seems like the message might be coming before the music in terms of uh, what she wants you to focus on. There are just a couple of songs that seem a little bit undercooked to me compared to much better songs on the album. But that's it is her first record. Well, this is her major label debut. Uh, It's extremely promising. Like she's going to be around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was it. I think that you brought it up whenever we were doing our albums of the year last year. But like the first time that you listened to the Mitski record last year, you're like, okay, like we have a new like contender for album of the year almost. And that was how I felt like immediately putting this on. I was like. I can tell you right now, this is going to be a bunch of year-end lists. Like, just yeah. listening to There's it. There's a confidence to it. It brings... Yeah, exactly. It has such a confidence to it. And it's also... It's not just, like, confidence without substance there to back it up. Like, there is plenty there. I know I'm going to keep revisiting this album throughout the year. Yeah, so. the, the other thing I wanted to say is she's from Minneapolis. Mm. And we don't get that many musicians out of Minneapolis. The only Prince. one that comes to mind is Prince. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can't help but to make that connection. And she definitely has some of that same just uh, musical genius energy to her. You know, obviously Prince is like a fucking legend, but there is a little bit of a line that you can draw here of the the Minnesota air. 
that feeds <laughs> into. <laughs> there are a lot of songs on here that I would love to hear on the radio. That's what I'll say. Like yeah. there, there's some radio edits for them. Yeah, we're not uh, talking yeah. about like ultra complex indie style mu- music. Like this, these are songs that are ex- insanely good versions of what you hear on the radio, and with like old school soul production added in, which is never a negative. Uh, so it's a really, I really like it. All right, next up, uh, unless there was another one you had. I just on. wanted to quickly bring up. I don't know if you guys have talked about Oliver Tree. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know if we have on the pod. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up really quick because I, I had a yo-yo contest yesterday. I actually used one of his songs. This nice. was a guy who's just a complete and total meme. Yeah, you know, in, in his real oh, life. Oh man, he's in. You know, he's in uh, like, you know, funny comedy videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of also just who he is. Like a Joji type. It, he's even fr- he's kind just, of, but he was never just a meme guy. He's always been a music guy as well. Yeah, right? he he legitimately has had like the same bowl cut. He's like, he's, yeah, he rides scooters. He wears Jinko jeans. And I was like, all right, let me go listen to his music, and it's pretty fucking good. You know, it's it's kind of a little bit funny. It has a little bit of that meme stuff in there, but it's legitimately good. So something to look out for. Yeah, it's, it's like poppy. It's very poppy, poppy. hip hop. Maybe yeah. it's like alternative pop, I guess. Like yeah. it's 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 unique. It's a unique take on on pop. Uh, I really like his voice. He really enunciates a lot. Uh, and if you look at him, like he's this dude's friends with uh, Fantano. That's how a lot of people found out about him. Uh, I found him on like Twitter because he is he's like a comedy dude. But and so I, when I listened to it, I was expecting like a joke of music, you know, not really serious. But he's really like. It's polished. Like, it sounds good. Um, According to Wikipedia, he's a professional scooter rider. Yeah. Yeah, There's th- this is a gr- really good example of the line between, his, like, what's real about his life and what's the meme is completely blurred to the point where you have no idea where it is. We've kind of, we've touched on this lightly before when talking about particularly hip-hop artists, but we're in this era now going into this next decade where with music... The, the democratization of music, how anybody can post music online, makes it so how you kind of bring attention to that music has to be intrinsically connected to the artist, the persona as an artist that you're trying to promote. Yeah. That's why like memes and music promotion are just blending together. Yeah, you have to stand out. It, you, having good music is not enough most of the time. There are a lot of people with good music, and he, yeah, he's good at marketing himself. Yeah, just search Oliver Tree, and the first, the first image that comes up is that tells you everything you and, need to know. And you might not like the vibe he's going for aesthetically. Like I was, I was kind of like, I get it, but it's kind of uh, dated, maybe a little bit. Like it's, it, it was very Tim and Eric to me. Like maybe five years ago. Well, that's that's the point. He's supposed to be. Oh, is this guy fifteen or thirty-five? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's like wearing like a jacket from the nineties. Um, so I was, I just wasn't expecting much, and then I, his music really surprised me. It's super solid. Uh, Oliver Tree. Okay, next we have Anderson Pac, the best teeth in the game. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, back again, Ventura. So this is his follow up to Oxnard, which came out like towards the end of yeah, it came out like four or five months ago, and now he's back again. This is another Dr. Dre produced. It is. Record, it's, right. It's kind of the same sessions that they just i guess what they did is he recorded a bunch of music and then separated into two different albums one that's like this very kind of sleek rap album um oxnard felt like something like a new direction for Pac, Mm -hmm. uh kind of banking off of his newfound clout and success and being like hey i'm not just this like fusion funk soul type of 
jazzy guy. I can do straight up hip hop. I can have bars. Yeah. <laughs> and just to solidify himself amongst like the vast playing field of successful hip hop artists. And now with Ventura, it's more, it's kind of to say like, Hey, when I was making this album, I wasn't just trying to leave behind everything that got me to this point. I was also still vibing with all of these sounds. I just needed to separate them into its own album. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that's why I think that this album is better than Oxnard. Um, I don't know if you guys would also agree with that. But... I, I'd say they're on the same level. I mean, they're very, they're kind of, they're, they're two very similar projects. They're very similar, but I like, because he still will have like, songs on this track on this album where he's like full-on rapping like that has a little bit of that oxnard sensibility but he's bringing in like he's using more of these like funky beats like whenever you hear a song like make it better Ooh, like that's just something that that's something that would have been on malibu yeah. like it's something that like no, feels I, so I totally disagree i think it's <laughs> way too old school um that's what i wanted to say so how do you feel about the album in general okay this this is a good example i'm, I'm not as well versed in music as you guys are but when i listen to something like this i'm like okay this is pretty good but i can't help think about thinking about malibu you'd rather which just i just like so much all of the instrumentation was so memorable the lyrics were so memorable i listen to this and i'm like okay this song is a little too old school for me or i get to another song and it's like drew what you were talking about uh, i feel like the message is coming through a little bit before the music is um, overall, I think it's good, but I'm comparing it to Malibu, which is one of my favorite records of this decade, yeah. honestly. I, I completely agree with that. The um, Malibu, I don't think that he's going to reach the highs of Malibu. That was like as a peak as, for him. Like Malibu, I it, but that, yeah. I still like, I'm happy listening to this. And this album really did remind me a lot of Malibu because, Drew, I know you pointed out where, um, last year where it felt like it was a lot of verses but no real choruses mm -hmm. and i think that he fixed that a lot on this record like i think that he really like he he actually sings and has really good refrains that like get stuck in your head mm -hmm. um but like something like uh reaching too much like feels almost like um uh I can't remember uh, the actual name of the track off of Malibu. That's like a two-parter um, that he has. Uh, the Seasons carry slash Carry Me. Yeah. That's something that uh, this album really reminded me a lot of. And there's a couple of different songs like that. Then we have something like King James, which also could have been on Oxnard because it's mostly like a rap song. Mm -hmm. But it has a really good chorus that gets stuck in your head. And he's able to do these kind of social statements um, which is something like if you think about Six Summers that came off of Oxnard, like this whole anti-Donald Trump anthem that he wrote. King James is something that does that, but in a better song form, where he's able <laughs> to make a commentary on like LeBron James doing stuff for his community about there's Colin Kaepernick about how he tries to take a kneel, take a knee uh, in order to like make a stance, and then they just kick him out of the NFL. Like that, he's able to do all of these things bring in a little bit of that classic Anderson Pack feel, which by the way, I do want to say we have been pronouncing Anderson's name wrong for a very long time. I have also been Pac. doing the same thing. It's Pack, not Pac. 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 It's That's what the two yeah. A's is Pack. It's Underson. <laughs> Underson Pack. Um I I'm somewhere in between you guys, I think. Um I I like this album more than Oxnard. Uh because it does kind of run it back, but I do agree that it might run it back a little bit too much. Uh, the reason Malibu is an all-timer for me, and it did take me a while to come to that 
uh, conclusion, but it is, is because it is this gr- amazing marriage of old school and new school. A lot of synthesizers used, a lot of newer production techniques, but it is solidly a 70s uh, soul R&B vibe. Uh, this album runs it back farther, and it's, it leans more heavily into being just old school. Way less synths, way more normal instrumentation, and it's still a good album. It's a breezy listen. I can listen to the whole thing and not... It's sleek. Yeah, exactly. I Yeah, I wrote down Silky Smooth. Like, it's just a smooth record, uh, but it, I also agree. I, I was higher on this album until yesterday I listened to Malibu again, and I was like, <laughs> fuck, man. Yeah. And you're right. The hooks are just better on Malibu. There are great hooks in this album. But Malibu has all-time hooks to me. It really does. I almost feel like it's not fair to keep comparing it to Malibu. I know that that's the natural thing that each of us, including myself, want to do because it's another record that came out by him just a few years ago. But Mm -hmm. I do like that it is a little bit different. I like how old school it is. I like that... Dre producing these things he's able like to get like somebody like Andre 3000 spitting this amazing verse in the first uh, song Andre is next Um, level and then uh, Nate Dogg coming in on the closing track like these are like what can we do that just like (laughs) it feels like a song that could have come out in the 90s just with like better it's more polished because it's coming out in 2019 Mm-hmm. And so I, I really love this album. I've been listening to this album a lot. My, <laughs> me too. I think my thing, I really like it, but I think it makes me uh, appreciate Oxnard more. Oh. Because um, when Oxnard came out, I was like, you know, this this is good, but it doesn't feel like Anderson Pack to me just because it's so different from Malibu. And now that we have Ventura, that is the sound is so different to that earlier Pack. That now I'm like, okay, I kind of like the new direction that he was going with in Oxnard more now that I've heard Ventura. And I still like Ventura, but now I'm like looking at Oxnard and I'm like, wow, there were a lot of more forward-facing ideas on this Mm -hmm. album. And it's not as uh, nostalgic, if that's a good word for it. Well, I do. I agree that, I mean, I, I... I like that this new version that he's going into, he is trying to find a way to reinvent himself because, I mean, it would be a criticism. We're going to talk about another band later on that it feels like they have this new uh, vibe that they're going with that they try and reinvented themselves, and in doing so, they kind of made themselves boring. And I don't think that he was doing that. I don't think... It's not ever backwards looking. Like, you can tell he's somebody who's always trying to advance his sound, but then take these sensibilities and these musical uh cues that he's learned over the years with him into this new sound so, all right we so. we got to get through the rest of these because yeah. we have a lot we i like get to. i do like that we all have slightly different takes on it mm-hmm. while still being kind of in the same area but yeah let's let's i'm gonna fight next? all your mics <laughs> <laughs> so next we have the new kevin abstract album this just came out it's called arizona baby uh he's still part of brockhampton but decided that he wanted to kind of uh branch off into his own little space yeah he's always done that too he had an album before this one even before Brockhampton. american boy or yeah something. and the lead single off that i think called american something was an, a really amazing pop song uh so what did you guys think of this album it's solid it's it sounds like brockhampton you know it's that same sort of approach it's got the choral arrangements mm-hmm. with the hip-hop beats and the slow kind of uh guitar uh, chords that kind of fill out this this 
uh, sonic field. It, it's not you don't have that like really aggressive, forceful Brockhampton that I've enjoyed so much. <laughs> um, but because it's not a Brockhampton album, I'm not expecting that. So going into as, as just a solo Kevin Abstract album, though not having that works for me. And okay. having these like slower tracks, these more emotional, more like kind of ballady stuff, I I really enjoyed in this, it, and I didn't really enjoy it as much in the newest mm-hmm. Brockhampton yeah. Yeah. album. Did you listen to this album? No, I didn't. Okay, so he released an EP, a three song EP, a few weeks ago, and it's now gone from Spotify because the album is out, and some artists choose to do that. Uh, I thought the EP was a fucking train wreck. I I don't know how many of the songs are on this album, but I'm glad to hear that there's no way that like the album has that feel to it because you i think you guys would agree that those three songs were god awful i honestly uh, didn't really listen to them i never i didn't, I didn't yeah. know that he even had an ep it, out i just heard about this album it's got, yeah it's called um, ghetto baby i'm not sure what um, songs were uh, on it. what do you think hunter i i really like it um you said that making that listening to ventura made you like oxnard more listening to this album made me like the new brockhampton album less actually. <laughs> yeah that's because kinda, like yeah. the new brockhampton album it is, is missing good. so much it's missing so much of the punchiness that made Brockhampton interesting in the first place with this album like he's able I mean Kevin is by far the most talented member of Brockhampton like without a doubt hands down and I think that he's able to like carry these like ballads like he actually sings on this album and like he has a good voice to it and also I mean he just he does what he's done throughout all of Brockhampton's existence, which is bring this new perspective as a gay black man doing hip-hop. That's something that you never really see. And he, the stuff that he raps about here on a song like Baby Boy or American Problem, that's like talking about him like always just being discriminated against his entire life and really never finding a family to take him in because he gets rejected from white cultures because he's black he gets rejected from black cultures because he's gay like he never really found a home Mm. and i think that he really brings a lot of that through some of the standout tracks for me were big wheels baby boy um american problem crumble i think that boyer uh which is the closing track is a really good like snappy uh closer that sends off the album in a good uh on a good final note there's there's one track uh where he sings a he he has a few or a verse about a mirror and how he like misses him and how he shouldn't be saying this on his album it's like this really i i don't know exactly what song it is but it's this really self-reflexive moment where he starts to be really honest about like missing his friend that is like a horrible person that they had to kick out of the group that's really but cool he's being actually. honest yeah. about like how he really misses this person uh and he feels like it's a mistake to write to put that into a song yeah. as he's putting it in the song yeah yeah that was the highlight of Rockhampton's last album for me was the themes instead of the music which i thought was truly bad a lot of the time not always but uh it's speaking to what you're talking about with his perspective in the hip-hop arena his video for uh the song it's called empty it's from two years ago it it has this slow zoom out where it's like right on his face and then about a minute in, it zooms out far enough that you see that he's getting a blowjob from like a football player and like (laughs) it just like like fried my brain almost i was like this is like hip hip hip-hop but he's getting blow like it's just it's something you just don't see yeah. uh and i thought it, it 
I don't know. It was like played for almost a laugh, but also just like a, yeah, I'm just like demeaning men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, love Donald Trump too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Um, All right. We got to, we got to move on to move the rest on. of these. Solange put out an album a while back now, and we just haven't gotten around to it. That's why we're doing this segment. Uh, it's called when I get home. I've been having a hard time getting into it because it's definitely not as good as a seat at the table. There's nothing even close to being as memorable as Cranes in the Sky or FUBU or any of the standout tracks on that uh, tremendous, tremendous album that she put out, uh, I guess, three years ago now? Yeah, 2016. You, You were with me when we saw her. Oh, at Okeechobee. And that was a really incredible show. That was probably the best show that weekend. Very surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Went on stage almost an hour late. Uh, We almost left. And then the fact that we stayed, it was like, oh, wow. Like, we just saw something special here. It was so long. I was almost off the Soylent by the time she she (laughs) came Yeah, exactly. I was on the Soylent, then back off, then back on. I was on the Soylent, but I was at Bass Nectar, unfortunately. (laughs) Talking about 20% daily nutrition. You were getting Soylent sprayed all over your face. Talking about 400 calories. Um, But, yeah, this (laughs) album... Now that you mentioned like seeing her live, there's a lot of songs on this album that I think would be a lot better live just because we've we've seen how many people she brings on stage, all of the instrumentation that she brings and and the production value and the showmanship and performance of it all that I think that even though on the recording these songs come off as really just barren and and just really stripped to their very very their skeleton essentially yeah that i know that her live performance is gonna fill in so much more of this kind of emptiness that that i feel uh it, it seems like she is going for this more stripped down approach uh it, it feels very intentional i'm just not that big of a fan on it there's a lot of interludes that kind of like weave all the songs together um but Overall, it doesn't really come together as this cohesive package like that. Yeah. Other albums. So I I didn't get into A Seat at the Table until more recently. And I do. I think that is a great album, even if it hasn't gotten as much playtime for me. Uh, This album brings out what I think is the worst part of A Seat at the Table, in my opinion, which is what you said. This album is kind of towing the line for me between minimalistic and boring. It's like way it's, too minimalistic. It's, yeah. And there's some songs where that works, but there are some songs where I'm feeling like I'm almost listening to nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And that is, for me, I truly don't like that. Like, you yeah. can appreciate the artistry of it and the fact that, like you said, it seems like it's done with great intention, but that doesn't mean that it sounds good to me. Yeah, there's, there's certain songs um, where you have, like, the most simple percussion you could possibly have like a single drum and a single snare or something like that just to keep yeah. the 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 most basic beat yeah. and then you have like a single little piano lick and i mean there are times when that works oh like, totally it's not a bad album there's there's artists i think there's tracks on the seat at the table that do that but i mean i think of artists like james blake that are able to give us this really minimalistic sound but but do it in a way that like really fills the sonic landscape. And even though you only have a couple of instruments there that it feels like this more full realized sound. And I don't think she does that. I'm not sure if that, if I, I, I'm guessing that that was the intention to have it really stripped down, but I don't know. It's 19 tracks. 
half of them are like interludes or skits and there's not that much here i mean there's there's some good tracks i'm i'm gonna uh run through some some good moments my skin my logo has a a quick little um guest appearance by gucci main oh i love good that song. moment right yeah. there that's a good one uh stay flow kind of bring that one's produced by metro so it does kind of bring in this more of like a flow this beat this yeah. more driving little energy that i was really hoping there would be more of on here that do, that barely even happens down with the click is another moment that kind of you know speed things up a little bit gives it a little bit more energy mm. but yeah, it, it, these moments are just way too rare. Yeah. Did you and, guys listen to it? Um, no, I think that I started to listen to it. Um, I've never really gotten super into uh, Solange. I like a seat at the table. Like, I've listened to it before, but I've never listened to it enough to, like, it really grow on me or, like, capture me in a super uh, intense way. I know I tried to put this album on, um, but I think I just didn't even finish it because I, like, maybe there was, like, one good song in yeah. there that, like, I kind of just forgot that this did, album even came yeah, out. Um, did I, you? I, I haven't listened to it, but I'm already bored just hearing <laughs> you guys talking about yeah. it. One drum. <laughs> well, there are there are a couple of tracks on here where it works. Where the Manila's far be- between. Where the minimalism works and you have these really quiet ballads that you know if you're listening to it with headphones on and and you put your attention into it you're like wow there is some real artistry here in this approach in just having this really bare minimalistic approach. It among 19 tracks it's just it doesn't happen often enough. Yeah, and uh speaking of unfair comparisons from earlier Maybe if there were some real pipes cutting through the minimalism, it would have worked better. But she doesn't. Right. It's not. Of course, it's not fair, but she doesn't have the voice Beyonce has. She doesn't. She can hit notes and it's great. And she has a more delicate voice, which is great. But she doesn't have pipes. There's one. There's one song, uh, Dreams, which actually has a guest production by Earl Sweatshirt. That's where I do think that she does kind of dip her toes into some some really yeah. impressive singing. I mean, there are good moments in the album. It's not a bad album. And it's like you said, it's not like they forgot to add more instruments. <laughs> but I really don't think it's yeah. it's, it's Can you strong. imagine if they like put it out there, they put it on the wall and they're like, oh, shoot. We forgot. Yeah. We, we put forgot. It, like we they put muted it in a, everything. Damn it. <laughs> we muted half the We were fucking around Garage Band too much. <laughs> yeah, they accidentally put it in mono and they forgot the right ear <laughs> <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> We're about to hit three quick uh, bands that we like, and each one of them is going to be a little bit of a different uh, approach here. So first we got Pup. Poop. New album. Uh, This is like their best album by far, in my opinion. It has so much energy, so much like vigor and like electricity to it in every aspect from the drums to the bass to the guitar to the singing there's just this album is seeping with forceful energy yeah so i um oh sorry you can go ahead yeah no i'm i'm gonna mention more about this later if, if i can have my uh my little catch-up corner later i have a couple things to talk about but for this record i went and listened to it and it does something that a lot of modern pop punk really can't do which is make you feel like you're not listening to modern pop punk because you go back and listen to the old stuff and you get that nostalgic feeling and then you listen to new stuff and you're like, what am I even doing with my life? But I feel like this did it really well. And I think that's a testament to pretty much every band member and every piece of the puzzle. Well, There's a real sense of angst. That's classic to old punk music that is just kind of absent from every other band nowadays. That's why 
I mean, I was really, I got super into them when uh, The Dream Is Over, their last album, came out. I really loved that album. Um, and I didn't, at first, listening to Morbid Stuff, I loved it, but I didn't think it was as good as The Dream Is Over. I've now gone the other way. I think that Morbid Stuff, I think you're right, it is the most complete album. Because while I, there are some songs that I think I might like more off of this and um, off of their first, their self-titled record, uh, specifically like Dark Days off of their self-titled record. Morbid Stuff, I just like, it captures this feeling of angst. And we were talking about it off mic, but one thing that I wanted to compare them to is this feels, it, it feels a lot like the Wonder Years. Yeah. But it has more of an angst sound to it all, almost of like early brand new with the lyricism yes. Of something like the front bottoms, yeah. which is like this awesome blend of just pure angst that you have listening to this. Like this just makes me want to like go and like fucking mosh with people. Yeah, like that's when, to your so point much about energy. to to your point about brand new the the songs that have this high tempo to them, like mm -hmm. the brand new songs that really like just are so high tempo that are so driven by the guitar and the drum going fast as fuck. That's Specifically really, off of their first album. Yeah, um, that's yeah. really what what I what catches my attention in this album. And I need to get more into their other two releases because I'm I'm kind of a newer pup fan. Um, but this album just really grabbed my attention immediately. Yeah, this is yeah, this is my favorite album of theirs. I do really like this album. Uh, and I think you made a great point, Brett, which is every instrumental in this album is pretty amazing, especially in the arena of pop punk, which doesn't really necessitate like good music players. Uh, like I, I included Steve Slagkowski, the guitarist, in my ideal pop punk band because he does a lot of really unique shit. Dude, the guitar on here is yeah, so, it's so crazy. good. And uh, well, another way that you see this uh, talent reflected is that they fuck with time signatures more than yes. any pop punk band in history. That's what I was gonna say. Is like, there's a real progressive element. Yeah, to the, this it'll band you'll that... switch to two four in the middle of a song for like ten seconds, and then back to four four, or they'll do three four for a chorus, and then like it, it they, it's all over the place. And I appreciate that a lot. Um, but I wanna, I wanna, I was talking with Hunter about this. This is a band that, in theory, they should be one of my favorite bands, and I really wanted to figure out why they're not. Uh, and there are a few gripes that I have, despite really liking this album. It's like an eight for me. Like, I really do appreciate it. Um, the first is that it, they have extremely complicated music, and I think there's a problem with the mixing that sometimes... It, like betrays the complication of music where they jack up the drums they jack up the guitar and they jack up the vocals so you don't hear the rhythm guitar and the bass guitar sometimes and those are the things that let you know what chord they're on and this is a band with so many chord switches in every single song that sometimes i'm getting lost and i'm like what chord are they even playing and that me means that i'm kind of missing half of the harmony of the song if that makes sense yeah i wish they would turn everything down a little and just give me a little more rhythm guitar just so I could make sense of some very complicated shit, well, which you, I do appreciate. You've seen them live, Hunter, right? I've seen them live, and another reason why this is, is there, my favorite is this, pop album. Is there, like, this loss of sonic clarity when they See, play live? I don't think so. I act, they are, I mean, I saw them at Shaky Knees uh, a couple years ago, and they were probably one of the best concerts there of the entire uh, show or the entire festival, just because they they do what very few punk bands can be both good in recording and good live. They're either over-polished so they sound good for records, or they're just like, 
too loud that yeah. they take away it takes away and something if you're not seeing to, them loud. Yeah. I think that they have this perfect element of like giving you a wall of sound and like just this angry tone that they have to them while also being like really good uh symphonically like they have just good music and really catchy choruses and really catchy verses that like bring you into it which i mean part of it is like the front bottoms of it all where it's like when something is like weird enough it's more likely to get stuck in your head than just like singing like that girl yeah she's cute like every blink 182 song ever (laughs) so like i just really love pup so much because and i i know that you disagree strongly drew i love this dude's voice so much (laughs) he has the perfect voice for a punk band like for like a true punk band where like it's not a good voice but you can feel like this like this fighting spirit in his voice whenever you're listening yeah i don't i don't hate his voice i I came down hard on it earlier and you got really mad at me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i don't hate it um another small issue i have is a lot of like punk bands or just bands that are trying to give you a live feel they'll have a lot of their choruses sung by like the whole band theoretically Mm -hmm. it might be you know you don't know who it actually is but it's like five to ten people have this sweeping vocal Pup does that all of the time. Like most of the album is sung by everyone at once and they're not usually not harmonizing. They're usually all just singing the same note, which is to me, that's gravy. That's something you put on top of a good song. And it's almost, it feels to me as if like someone was guitar soloing for the whole song. It seems like something that you should use a little more sparingly. I don't like hearing like 10 voices the whole song. I like it, though, because that's something that you never see in punk music. When are there ever harmonies in punk music? Like, that just doesn't happen. And there's so many harmonies all over, like, pups, uh, all over their whole discography. Um, Another thing which I feel like they do this for a reason is because one of the most notable things about a pup is that their lead singer was told by multiple voice doctors, like, hey, you have to stop singing because there's something wrong with his vocal cords. This dude is probably going to go mute in the next couple years. So go see them live before (laughs) they aren't playing anymore music. But I feel like that's almost, uh, that's another reason why they had the whole band singing is, like, less strain. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. um, I just wanted to go back to another thing that you were talking about earlier with, like, the uh, rhythm guitars and the bass. I almost feel like... Uh, about how they're not necessarily mixed as well. I feel like that's not the point of Pup. Like, I feel like... Well, they're not on a major label. This is, like, basically self-produced. Yeah, and I think that the production is pretty good for, like, a punk band that is being self-produced that isn't on, like, a major label. There are are professionally produced albums that sound worse than this. Right. I agree. Because, like, and I... But I just don't think that, like, you aren't necessarily supposed to, like get out your guitar at home and try and play along with the music. Oh, no, I agree. That's why they're messing with the time signatures so much. I did want to shout out a couple of the standout tracks. Closure. Um, Closure Closure is so good. Closure is amazing. See You at Your Funeral is probably my favorite song of the album. But, like, Bloody Mary, Kate and Ashley is such, like, a heavy song that, like, is constantly, like, switching up the tempos and using these complex chords. Yeah. The opener. The the opener. Oh, yeah. Morbid stuff. Kids free at last. That's a really good one. Yeah. See You at Your Funeral I love. Also, uh, Sibling Rivalry. Sibling Rivalry. Kids and Bare Hands. Like I said, I was just trying to differentiate why this is an 
eight and not a 10 for me because mm. in theory this is a 10 it should be and it's just those it's a few little things that for me get in the way of hearing how great the music is I feel like I'm not hearing the whole picture and part of it you're right I'm sure they sound just like that live it sounds like a live album done perfectly yeah. almost Wait, but I want just a little bit more clarity just because the music is so complicated uh, it, like if they were just playing four chord songs you don't need clarity they can be as noisy as they want yeah. But they're just playing power chords. I yeah, I, I really appreciate that they're going for professional style music composition. Like, that's really cool. All right. Let's try to get through the rest of these because we're, we're running long. All right. Real quick. Tame Impala. No album yet. Just but two, two songs. So we'll you know, we'll talk more about the album once it actually comes out. But so far, the two songs, um, Patience and Borderline. I am really digging. There's some conga congas in there, congos, <laughs> some disco bongos, conga bongos, uh, and it just seems like a bold new sound yeah. that he's trying out. It's I dig, I dig it too. I was like notoriously not as into currents as anything else he's done before, and mm. this I, I am kind of liking this direction. I'm seeing him this weekend. Oh, uh, it's shaky. Yeah, it's shaking you. Oh, so I'll let you so guys jealous. know if he plays anything new or anything. That'd be cool. But so you you like these singles though? Yeah, I'm like I'm really liking Patience. It's yeah, yeah Patience is amazing. That song is so. Every time it just comes on, like in my car or something, I instantly start like grooving. Yeah, to the, the beat. piano start that starts swerving it off. around with my car. Yeah, it's <laughs> very dangerous when that song comes on. And Borderline was a song that. I liked at first, but it's really, really growing on me. Um, yeah, in like I, an effective way. I started off on the same level with you as with uh, Currents, and it took me a lot of listens to. I elevated it above uh, their first album, Inner Speaker, but still below uh, Lonerism, just because oh, that piece of shit. That might be my favorite album ever, so it's hard yeah. to put it no, above. I, but these singles are growing on me similarly. When I first heard them, I was like, "This is what they're going with," and after like three listens, I was. Fully in. I'm really stoked for this yeah, new album. Yeah, I'm fully in because at this point. now at this point we have uh, three. I would say pretty much perfect albums. Like I think all three Tame and Paul albums are absolutely perfect, and each one stands on its own. Yeah, like wildly its, different from yeah. each other. Yeah, it's its own different approach and sound. You know, they're all clearly made by the same guy, but he was in a different headspace for each one. And now going into this one, he's at the top. He's the most successful he's ever been. Like, huge, huge acclaim and and uh, uh, reach audience, size of audience, that incorporating these more kind of, like, dancey, clubby... Uh, disco -y. disco into the because currents is very like synth pop right i mean mm -hmm. there are there's dancey stuff on there but it seems like with this new album he's gonna like really really lean into that and i'm excited to see what he does well with so talking about like different headspaces that he's in kevin parker um he got married he's yeah no that's what i was gonna say is that he's been like he's talked openly about having like severe social anxiety. That's why he just started to learn to play every instrument. Cause then he's like, well, I can just make music myself and then I don't have to have friends. <laughs> like that was literally like a thing that he was just like, if I just learn how to do everything, then I don't have to talk to other people. I can still do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And lonerism, you can really feel like that feeling of being alone. And then currents is like a song. It, like there's some tracks on there that if you listen to the, like the lyrics, they're like, heartbreaking yeah. like really listening to like the less i know the better is such a sad song oh yeah yes it's i'm very changing. very wistful album 
uh, eventually, like, all of this is, like, all this kind of stuff, just, like, waiting around, hoping that a girl will like me back, that I like her. <laughs> yeah. And now, like... Well, I think it's less that and more, like, the disillusion of his right. love. Well, I mean, because this is something, I mean, the last track on the album, um, Brand New Person, Same Mistakes, yeah. is, like kind of this like send off of like I'm like trying to change myself but I still have these like this darker place that I come to and now he just got married and the first two singles that we have off of this thing seem like they're so much more upbeat and poppy and I mm. can't wait to hear what this like dance album that he's going to put out I'm is so, going yeah. to be. Well, we're going to talk about it more yeah. Yeah, when it comes out. Alright let's, let's try to breeze through this. This one will be quick yeah, uh, Cage, Cage the, the Elephant. Elephant. New album it's kind of whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It's completely. It's honestly, not bad, but it's just like. I wait, did you, like did you listen, Brett? Yeah. What do you think? Cause, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're all pretty much on the same page. Um, this this album felt obligatory to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it felt like Tell Me I'm Pretty came out four years ago, so we need to put on another album. It has pretty much the exact same tone as Tell Me I'm Pretty. I'd say. I actually, I think I like this. Upon, I've only given this like a listen and a half. I, I put I, it like a, a notch above Tell Me I'm yes, Pretty. Yes, that's what I was going to say is I put it a little bit above there. They don't have as many standout songs. Like at least Tell Me I'm Pretty has like Mess Around or like Cold, 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 Cold like some good songs. Yeah, this uh, – so – my favorite thing about Cage the Elephant for their first three albums was they had this sort of manic unpredictability to them where they could slow it down and do a great song like Shake Me Down, which I still love, love, love. Amazing right. song. But then they could really – they could go manic without being like metal, screamo-style manic. Yeah. It was a very unique a blend that reminded me of a lot of classic rock bands. This album just doesn't really go there. Same as Tell Me I'm Pretty. It just – there's actually a story about their lead single featuring Beck on this album. Night yeah. Running. So uh, the drummer for the band wrote the song, and the singer, Matt, just like what didn't do anything to it. He kept on being like, hey, man, you should write lyrics. And Matt was just like, uh, I don't feel like it. So he just sent it to Beck, and Beck did it. That's what this album feels like to me. It just feels like no one really wanted to do it. Well, also, like, you know, it's not Matt, like it's bad. Matt but... Schultz got divorced while making this album. So there, there's probably like this darkness underlying it all that sometimes comes off as like art, very artistic. And I, I, there's a couple of songs on here that does that do have this like darkness, this griminess to them. But yeah. for the most part, it just comes off as like he was too sad to really be put like, forth. Yeah, effort. and I, I would have rather waited longer and have a better album. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't get the joining of Beck and Cage the Elephant. <laughs> I, I get I get a lot of Beck, and then I get a little bit of Cage the Elephant. I mean, it's, it, that's literally it because... It feels more like a Beck song. It, they, yeah, Beck came song. in and just did it because the singer wouldn't do it. And usually the singer, Matt, is who who's bringing most of the sound of the band. So you're right. Like It just doesn't sound like them. The, mo- the rest of the album, it just sounds so processed to me. I would almost call it like Auerbach rock. That's mm-hmm. what I said to you, Ernest. Like, because Dan Auerbach, he's a great... Uh, musician and producer but his newer albums he's produced just sounds so studio and that's not what good rock sounds like I was actually going to bring up the Black Keys because it felt like the last there's a new album coming out it felt like the last Black Keys album where it's just like it's so down the middle it's not bad it's just kind of like it's just there I think the new Black Keys album you're talking about Turn Blue right yeah that that album has some solid stuff it's on there. Grown it on gets me, it gets a little but, psychedelic sometimes. Yeah, but it it just still it still it feels 
produced. It yes. feels very. You can feel yeah. the production on it. Uh, so anyway, it, a standout track. Fine. I do want to say Houses Glass. I Houses gave the, Glass is a good song. I gave the whole a few listens. That's the only one that entered my rotation. Yeah, I like Houses Skin, Glass. Yeah, I like yeah, uh, Skin and Bones. Is like a good slower song. Not to be confused with the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Skin and Bones, which is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's that. it's whatever. Cage the Elephant. I'll, I'll probably keep listening to it, but. It, it won't really stick with me. Another one that won't stick with me, 2 Chains put out a new album. I, I really liked it at Produced first. Produced by LeBron James. Yeah, it it, it, it kind of grabbed my attention initially. I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like Lil Wayne's on there. Uh, you know, he's singing about diamonds or a girl's best friend. And it's like there's there's this cheekiness to it. And now I just I just skip every track that comes on my playlist. <laughs> I I'm not really a fan of this album anymore. Now that now that I've listened to it a couple times and I'm getting more into like the lyrics behind it, it it's stupid. You know, it's what's really funny? it's really stupid. the best things about this album are the features. The features Ariana are, Grande, Travis Ariana, Scott, "Rule the World" with Ariana Grande. That's my favorite song in the album. Yeah. Um, that well, Mama, my, I hit a lick with Kendrick. That so that beat because most of oh the yeah album, the Kendrick feature is yeah yeah most of the album cool. he's going for sort of a more old school feel, sort of like Jay Z did with his album a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, and some of it does work, but it does get a little bland. That song with Kendrick, Mama, I Hit a Lick, that is an amazing song. That's a I great think. song. Like, yeah. it's, it's a Danny Brown-style beat, like very noisy, but in a really polished way. I love it. Also, uh, I like the song with right. a, um, Chance and Kodak Black, I, I'm Not Crazy, Life Is. That's a good song. But again, like my favorite things about these songs, even the one with Young Thug, like my favorite so- things about the songs are the features verses. Like that's what well, is pulling me in more than two chains. Yeah. Well, did you did you listen? Nope. <laughs> so you have <laughs> a lot if it to doesn't say. if it doesn't have Old Town Road, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not even country. I got my um, horses in the back. But anyway, uh, yeah, it does kind of run together. Yeah. The thing is, I appreciate what he's doing because Two Chains is really good at ignorant rap. Like he's this is a really yeah, smart guy. We're that's talking about. That's why I enjoyed it at first. I was like, there's there's just like this kind of surface level breeziness well, the, to it. The thing is though, this was supposed to be his turn into conscious rap. Um because Pretty <laughs> Girls like trap music was like ultimate I, I really like that album. It's there are good beats and it's just two chains really being cheeky because he's great at like stupid rap yeah, that's like I intentionally see. like dumb, like ignorant, yeah. but I in s- a good I s- way. I started listening to this and I kinda stopped because he's moving away from that. Like I love OG Kush diet. Like that is yep. such a good fucking two chain song, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I just wasn't into what he's doing. Now. Yeah, and it's it's not that he's like horrible at conscious rap, but he's you can tell he's dipping his toes into an arena that he doesn't have as much experience in. You know what I mean? Like the the bad lyrics slip in, and it's worse because you can tell he's trying to do good lyrics mm-hmm. instead of just being like, "Yeah, for my birthday, I threw me a surprise party." That's <laughs> clearly a, a joke lyric, you know? Like, but so it, it, there is a bit of a clash. Yeah. Uh, all right. So two chains, eh. Vampire Weekend has now put out six, six songs yeah. off of their new album. A third of their 18 track. That's weird. The Father of the Bride. That's really weird. Coming out this Friday. Really? Yeah, already? it's coming out May third. Oh, fuck! It's already like we are coming right up right. on. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. So for we this. should save most of our thoughts then. Um, yeah, just we can be, we quickly. Can be quick. The main singles: Sunflower, and then I know that we talked this about life, uh, we talked about um, Harmony Hall. Yeah, which that one is like out. one of my favorite songs of the year so yeah. far. Uh, um, Sunflower, I fucking love that song. So that song just gets stuck in my head all the time, and I sing it in the loud tone, and I'm. 
Gaia hates it so much because I was be like, just walking around the house. Yeah, I please stop. I'm not as big on Harmony Hall as you guys. I do love Sunflower. I think it's such an interesting new sound that I haven't heard from any band before. Harmony Hall. I may have said this on Pod. It it sounds like they're angling for the sequel to the Lorax because they had Unbelievers in the first one. It sounds like they're really going for children's movie, but it's still a good song. But it's also a children's movie. I don't know. I think it works. Yeah, I, I'm sure you guys are going to talk about this more, but like Big Blue, I was listening to it. And I was like, what is happening here? Is this like, what fucking key that was, is this what, in? That was a weird one. Like, but I'm like really into, because I've been a Vampire Weekend fan for a long time and they're doing something different and it sounds good. So I'm excited. I, yeah, I mean, I like it. Like I, this feels, I mean, I, I was almost expecting more of a change with Rostam leaving the band, like post uh, Modern Vampires of the City, but it does kind of, it feels like Vampire Weekend. Like, it doesn't feel like they're totally changing their sound. It feels like a new sound, but it feels like almost the next logical step. And yeah. so I've actually gotten to the point where I really like some of the slower songs because they've been releasing these singles in these, like, two things, yeah. these two-part things. Um, and, like, yeah. Unbearably White, Big Blue, even 2021, which is just, like, very minimalistic. I really like that song. Like, it has a really good sound to it. That yeah. I can't wait to hear the whole album. And also, together. This Life... That's yeah, a little bit life. of a more upbeat, but that that has this nice, like, kind of more really positive, like, poppy, yeah. like. And uh, shouts to my boy Steve Lacey, who I've I've plugged hard on the pod mm-hmm. before. He's, he's on Sunflower. He right? plays the guitar mm-hmm. in Sunflower, which yeah. I love the guitar in Sunflower. Uh, if you like the song, listen to Steve Lacey. He's a little different from that, a little funkier, but I I'm a huge yeah. fan. Well, he's like he's like 19 or we'll, something. We'll talk about this more when the album drops. I'm I'm excited. Um, All right, last one. Last one. I'll just do this one quickly. Uh, Khalid uh, was actually, we didn't mention him whenever we talked about Beyonce and uh, Gambino releasing their visual album along with. He did one too? He also did one for Free Spirit. Um, I've actually heard that his is better than Guava Island or Homecoming. Because it's like, it's, it's 45 minutes long, but there is, and it's like one of those things where there is a story there but what the way that he uh represents it is this album is really all about like it'll you'll hear a song and it like almost like triggers a memory of like a certain scene in this thing where it's meant to be a true companion piece to the album that he put out um khalid probably one of my favorite voices oh in he's the game so right talented now. Like, yeah and I really think that this is his best album. Um, I there's a couple of the main singles off of this thing were uh, "Better" and "Talk" featuring Disclosure, which are two really good songs. Ooh. I don't know if there's a song that I like as much as "Location." "Location," I just love that song. That's the one so that that blew much. him up. Yeah, that was the yeah. one off of his first uh, off of American Teen, his 2017 release. Uh, put out an album last year, "Sun City," which I wasn't really that into. There's one or two songs on there that are okay, but it's a little bit too stripped down for me. But Free Spirit, I just really, really love this album already. And I've only listened to it like once or twice, but oh, yeah. he really just gets his time to just really just belt his voice. Um, Great voice. The only criticism that I would have for him, and this is something that I said about Lizzo, which also probably will go away with more listens, is that some of the non-punchy tracks can kind of blend together a little bit because... His voice is so smooth. It's almost like, uh, like it, it's it like, it's like a lullaby being sung to you that you just like <laughs> lulls you in whenever you're there and you like kind of lose track of the song itself. But okay. love him so much. Dope. 
All right, Brett, was there anything else you wanted to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I have a little bit of a catch-up I want to get into if you guys don't mind. So Uh-oh. first off, really quick, um, <laughs> BAFTA, the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, which I'm sure you guys are familiar where, with. Where are we going with this? They have a an award for Best Mobile Game of the Year, mm-hmm. which is Whoa. which is rather prestigious, and Old School RuneScape won. Hey. Now this Damn. this is the, the app version. Yes, which is actually it's the same. If you have an say you have an account, you can play on both your phone and on your computer. It's like the same the same world altogether. You can just play it on your phone. Now this is a climate where mobile games are as big as any other game by yeah. far. This was extremely competitive. They were up against games like Fortnite, up against um, Supercell, who makes like Clash Royale, mm-hmm. uh, Clash of Clans, and they actually won. I, I continue to run into people like every month, like random friends who are playing this game. This is a game that had its official release in 2001, and people <sighs> are still insane. playing this game. Well, you mentioned before that you you were able to tap back into your original account. Sort of. It 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 gets a little complicated with kind of the the evolution of the game. The the one that I'm talking about that's really famous right now is. In, in quotes, old school RuneScape. It brought back what they had to remake the old version. They they essentially found a USB drive that had the servers from yeah. <laughs> 2007, this, right, so. and just plugged it in, and and, and now they have hunt, like well over 100,000 people playing at like all times. That's cool. It's really something. I I gotta check it out. I I, ha- I actually I'm downloading have it. the app now to because I just didn't even realize that it was a mobile like it that it actually is a good mobile mm. game. I've had it downloaded on my phone for a couple of weeks and I just haven't been able to get to it. I just I I have to stay away from mobile games. <laughs> I, I get myself yeah. in trouble with them. I, I don't want to talk too much about it, but what really works about this game is. You have a, you have a ton of aspects that just work as an amazing mobile game. You have these casual things. You know, you can you need a fish for supplies. Maybe you need to cut trees. You need wood for something. But then you also have these boss battles. You can hop on Quests. your computer. You have these um, just these story. I, I I could talk for hours about the storylines in this quest. Every kind of possible fantasy storyline, anywhere from Romeo and Juliet to elves and pirates. But everything is ton- tongue in cheek and funny, but epic. It's really amazing. Oh man, OG RuneScape. Any more yeah. catch up? Uh, yeah, last thing I, I wanted to, I didn't get a chance to talk about this. So in, um, in the episode where you guys had a, we fought a mic, mm. I wanted to retroactively uh, toss in my judge's hat. So oh. that, that episode is live right now. Yes. Uh, so go ahead and you listen can to hear it. that. I got wrongfully cut <laughs> by fucking Ernest over here. I quit the podcast most notably. And then I was, I formed a large sum of money in order to get me back on here. Yeah. All right. So, so first of all, the uh, the um, TV show being made now based on movie pre two thousand. So first off, I love Gattaca. I was so <laughs> fucking stoked to hear that. Yes. Um, I know Hunter won that round. Now I will say, I don't think either one would make that great of a show, mm. a- as great of an argument as both of you made. I think. First off, Blade Runner. I mean, I was notoriously kind of against Blade Runner 2049. I don't like where, mm. where that was going, really. But anyway, um, I think it's kind of a tired concept. We have Westworld. It's it's a tired IP. I'm sure you guys would maybe Westworld disagree sucks. with that. Um, Gattaca, I fucking absolutely love that movie. But that that's the kind of thing I don't really get it until maybe I saw it. But I, I did want to say I really appreciated that. So who would you give that round to? Um, to Gattaca. I'm not sure. I think I think I would have to go Gattaca on that, honestly. But now, so the but the music category, the uh, pop punk band, I was really into that. 
And after thinking about it, at first I was like, you know what? I think I see myself listening to Hunter's supergroup yes. more. Mm. But I was like, man, if Hunter could just admit that this isn't a fucking pop punk jam band <laughs> and that it would be like Soup writing the fucking songs or maybe Claudio writing the songs, yeah. I think it would work better. And of course, Hurley would like, you know, maybe make a beat on there. But I wanted to give you credit for that. However, I went back after the fact and I was listening to some Wonder Years, some of the old Wonder Years I like, and I listened to some Claudio, um, some Coheed and Cameron. I was like, Claudio would have to tone it back so fucking much, he would never fucking be able to pull it back yeah. enough to make that work. I think that I think that he would. See, my whole thing is Drew basically he was trying to assemble the team USA. This is an this is an insane <laughs> argument. <laughs> but it's instead insane. You what have he Claudio has, is your backup. Instead singer. what he has here, he has the twenty twelve Lakers. This is so insane. Disaster. I think there's too many personalities on your album. Who Mine is, is like it's Claudio and Soupy, but I think that the two of them, since it's just the two of them, I think that they could have like, look at how well old Taking Back Sunday, whenever Jesse Lacey was just relegated to the sideline. That went great. <laughs> there was no friction there whatsoever. We could have that again. This is insane. <laughs> I have one strong personality. Like Travis Barker is just a strong drummer. I think, He's but not Claudio even... is Claudio is a pretty reserved dude. Like he is oh, yeah. the front man, but like if you ever like talk to him, like he's not a bodacious guy. I That's know. Why I feel like for a super group, I went for the them crooked <laughs> vultures. Approach. Okay, break it up. Yeah, break for, it up. Break, break it up. Uh, insane. They're, they're yeah, crawling two, on the podcast table right I now. just I wanted to uh, throw some support both ways. It was okay. that was a really great episode. But what about the the first round, the Kendrick fight? So, th so the first round, I, I pretty much agreed with Ernest and, and what he went with, r really down to the argument structure as well. Yeah, that was the big one where uh, I really had to think about what the points that were brought up mm -hmm. and not just, like, my personal uh, opinion of the albums. Because obviously, like, I would give it to, to Pimp Butterfly, no question. But based on the arguments made... Drew just well, did so much of a better I, I job. I think of that like, was the fatal problem is because you had the better album, if we had equally good arguments, that means that I guess I win just because. <laughs> I guess I well, win. Well, no, like it's not that even that I made a better argument. It's just that I made an argument for the worst album and it was equally good. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't think I made like a much better argument. Or yeah, we don't, we don't need to Did get back into this. you guys just have to like this? bring this up just to like <laughs> rub it in a little bit more? Brett's like, yeah, yeah. Also, I think that you suck too, and I, I wouldn't watch yeah. anything. I was going to bring it up too, just to say I loved all my ideas. Yeah, so I'm quitting the <laughs> podcast again. I'm back out. I need to call my lawyer back. So we're we're gonna have a Twitter poll up for everyone to vote. Once you've listened to the episode, listen to the arguments. Get ready. I'm gonna make so many fake Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna that make are Russian, gonna Russian this. <laughs> Not Hunter 69. Yeah. And you can <laughs> vote to see if Hunter or Drew will take the 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 people's choice. I want to recount. I think I won the popular vote. Okay. I'm the Hillary Clinton of this. Mm. this oh, podcast. really? What was Clinton's running mate's name? I was trying to Mike, remember this morning. Mike Pants? No, it was, it was uh, Tim Kaine. <laughs> Tim Kaine. I was thinking like Tim Hill. It was something. George Clinton. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap it up, boys. It's been a great episode. We bought a mic. You can listen to more episodes. Uh, including We Fought a Mike and a review of Avengers Endgame. We have more great stuff coming now that uh, summer is here. Detective Pikachu, John Wick 3, um, Max Keeble's Bigger Move. Mm -hmm. So stick around. Where can, uh, where can we find you, Brett? You want to plug something? Well, mostly leave me alone, but if you want to add me on RuneScape, <laughs> Extremum, E-X-T-R-E-M-U-M. -E -E add me on there. Cool. Yes. Drew? Uh, 
I'm not on RuneScape, so you can skip me. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, I'm, I'm getting on RuneScape now, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, the app is downloaded. Uh, follow me, Twitter, Letterbox, Hunt Mobley. Cool. Same place as always. Uh, we bought a mic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm um, at Calderness on Twitter, Letterbox. So check me out. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode and all the albums we talked about. And if you want to join the Summer Movie Wager, thesummermoviewager.com will be updating you with that uh, as it goes on. So, Brett, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again soon, I hope. Don't don't stay away another year. Please. It's been a year. Yeah. It's been a year. Yeah. All right. So Goodbye. thank you. Uh, we love you. Bye-bye.